John, how are you? I am doing great. I'm doing well. Excellent. Thanks it's for good to hear. Having me. Yeah. Hope you're doing um, well too. Our pleasure. Um, so before we get into the album directly, um, this last couple of uh, months, uh, six months or so has, has been very strange. Uh, all of us have had a lot of time on our hands all of a sudden. And then one thing she did was play the guitar a lot. Sure. Um, was there one thing that you discovered or rediscovered about your own playing or the guitar in general? One thing. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I several I, things. I, yeah. You know, I, I, use this time very productively and and have been playing a lot of guitar and writing a lot of music you know i don't know if this is necessarily discovery or more of an affirmation just i love playing guitar i love mm -hmm. being i love being a creative person and a long time ago thankfully um i discovered that the guitar was going to be my vehicle to be able to do that i mean i used to like um paint and draw and and write and you know so it was kind of always in my blood but The, and it could have been any instrument, I guess, you know, it's weird the way that happens, but uh, the guitar was what I discovered when I was young. And so, yeah, during all this time where, you know, like you said, there's, everything's locked down, there's no live uh, performances and people might be re reconnecting with that side. For me, it's just been like, every day has been, you know, oh, what's today going to bring creatively? <laughs> and it just doesn't get old, doesn't get boring, doesn't get, doesn't dry up. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting because obviously you've been playing for a, a long time. You've delved in all uh, kinds of aspects of guitar, playing the technical side, everything. Um, sure. And being as proficient as you are, how do you keep it exciting? How do you keep it from becoming boring then? Right, right. I mean, I, I try to uh, maintain um, a, a sense of perspective about my own playing almost from an outsider. Mm. And I don't know if that's from just, you know, gaining some experience as a producer with dream theater and sort of having to do that and, and enjoying doing that. But I, I do that with my own music, with my own guitar solos or whatever, like as I'm listening to it, I'm like, man, is that, you know, if I was listening to that, if I didn't know me and I'm listening, is that something that's really going to be either, either convincing or moving emotionally, or is it going to be interesting as far as the craft of the guitar? How's, how does it hit me? as a mm. listener. And when you ask those kind of questions, it causes you to kind of be like, all right, well, I'm not just going to keep doing the same old thing and be lazy about it. And so that makes me constantly challenge myself, try to come up with new things and, you know, have those aha moments when you're like, Oh my God, that I've never done that before. That was cool. And putting that in, um, into the music. So I think having that sort of, I, you know, I, I wrote the lyrics to one of the, a, Uh, to a dream theater song called the bigger picture mm. which is specifically about that it's about okay. stepping back being able to like look at the bigger picture and see why the decisions you make uh contribute to what you're trying to accomplish like your vision so it, right. it's that it's stepping back yeah I, i find that interesting because um obviously you, you hear music all the time do, do you have a similar approach than when you hear other other people playing the guitar do you do you kind of dissect it I don't think so. I don't think I'm as analytical with other people's playing. I just, mm. I, I let it sort of just hit me more emotionally. And that's, I, I find for me, that's how, that's, that's why I like a certain guitar player or not, or mm. why they reach me or not. It's like, does, 
whatever they're doing, whether it's technical or not technical, or, you know, it could be basic, it could be complicated. It's just, does it grab me emotionally? Um, and I don't think I listen as analytically that way. You know, if, if I'm getting into trying to find out what, what they're doing, hmm. then yeah, then I might do it that way. But I don't listen as critically, I don't think. I, I'm not, I don't think I listen as judgmental to other, as judgmentally to other players as I do to myself. <laughs> sure. Well, well, in that sense, and this is, this is kind of uh, overarching everything that you've done, but are you very, very, uh, do you set the bar high for yourself? I try to. Yeah, I think I do. I mean, you know, it, it's so funny because the amount of talent that has developed over the years is just like skyrocketed. So, you know, I think I, I might think my bar is high and then some little kid is playing <laughs> what I'm doing with no problem. So I set it high to my <laughs> to my abilities. You know, it's like, I, yeah, I try to do that. I try. It's like I'm not um, I'm not into being lazy with guitar playing. I just or being complacent or, you know, same with, with writing music, you know, with whether it's dream theater albums or my solo albums, it's like, I look at every album as an opportunity to make a statement, mm. you know, to put your best voice forward. So yeah, I try to set it that by high, bar high. What did you hope to say then with, with now this new record terminal velocity? What was kind of this, uh, I, I don't know if it's particularly a statement, but what sure. did you wanted to say with the music? Well, to me, you know, uh, and everybody that does solo albums has a different take on this type of thing. But my take on a solo album, my solo album, including the first one, Suspended Animation, was that I wanted it to be kind of a window into what I am like as a player and a creative person, you know, just by myself. Like if I'm giving the op given the opportunity to just do my thing, um, I want that to be re reflected in the most complete way. So that means, you know, keeping the instrumentation, the orchestration minimal guitar, bass, drums. Hmm. There's no, no guests, no vocals, no extra instruments, no, you know, just, I want people to hear the way I play. Um, And, and that includes tonally as well and that whole pursuit of guitar sounds, which is something that I'm really, really into. So mm -hmm. a reflection of that. And then, you know, musically um, showing the different sides that I enjoy playing that you might not necessarily hear from me in, say, Dream Theater, right. which is, you know, maybe more stylized, but like. And, and this is nothing new. Most guitar players lo love to play blues and rock and roll right. and everything like that. But you you might not hear that from a certain player. But for me, that, that it's so much fun um, putting an acoustic solo on a song, doing a blues, doing, you know, shuffle, swing, adding some Latin influence, all that kind of stuff. That's like I might do on my own. I might experiment with at home, but you, you might not hear it on the music that you associate with me generally. So that's the other side to give you again, a window into like, what am I all about as a guitar player, as, as a creative person um, and as a tone sculptor, whatever you want to call sure. that, you know? And, and, you know, that's, I guess that's my philosophy on the, on solo well, albums. You mentioned uh, uh, the blues and so, so let's jump into the song uh, Out of the Blue then, because sure. that's, that's one that's very, very blues, I suppose, influenced. Yeah. It, it reminded me uh, somewhat of Gary Moore's uh, playing. Um, so, so This side of you, this this more bluesy side of you, how yeah. did that develop, and and how do you where is that now in terms of your playing? 
Sure. I mean, there's a couple of ways it developed. I think, first of all, from just being a young kid and like the way that I learned guitar is I learned songs. I sat there Mm -hmm. with my record player, slowing it down (laughs) and learning guitar solos from all these different guitarists. And in doing that, you know, you can't help but but absorb a blues bass because whether it's Angus Young or Jimmy Page or um, Eddie, the late, unfortunately, Eddie Van Halen or, uh, you know, the, the guys in, in Iron Maiden or, it, you know, whatever you're learning that most of the time those players have a blues there's like a blues bass that's there. Mm. So you kind of naturally learn it. Like you sort of know the basics of it. Um, but then as I started to expand into the, the other players that I was, you know, as I started to get better and look at other music, um, then some, maybe some fusion kind of comes in and you start to hear guys like uh, uh, Robin Ford, you mm. know, maybe John Schofield, stuff like that. Um, you know, so you're hearing blues and jazz kind of mixed. Um, and then, you know, for me, a big one was Stevie Ray Vaughan, like okay. hearing him for the first time and that being like, whoa, I mean, he's playing blues and everything, but he's playing it with such fire and attitude <laughs> and conviction and sound and all those things kind of go into the pot. Gary Moore, for sure. Whenever I heard Gary play, I mean, it's just such a beautiful, soulful feeling. Neil Sean, the same way, you know, there these blues elements are within the playing. And as a young player, I'm like learning all this, absorbing all this, Um, even guys like Larry Carlton, stuff like that. So it infuses into my playing. It's not necessarily the stylistic direction. I took my career in, but it's fun to play. And like, you know, I don't know how many blues jams I've had, (laughs) you know, with friends, with dream theater, with, you know, at NAM shows, hanging out, whatever. It's just, it's like this sort of universal language. So being able to do that and understand that, I think is kind of important. Um, It's just like this sort of like community that you could be a part of and sort of like anybody could really do it and have fun. Mm. Um, Where it is now um, is sort of in this, in the sense that those players I mentioned, the way that they did it, where it's infused in my playing like you'll hear in Dream Theater and Liquid Tension and my solo stuff, you'll hear bluesy aspects, even if the even if the song or the solo is not a blues style song, you'll hear it. You'll hear that stuff go by. But in the case of Out of the Blue or even uh, Lost Without You from Suspended Animation, that's a jazz blues. Those are songs where I, I really sort of sunk my teeth into that style. Right. You know, um, and it was just fun. And for me, um, the way that I tried to make it different was just not making it a traditional blues, but infusing my own style into it. So if you listen to out of the blue, it is a blues, but like even the turnarounds have chords in it that you wouldn't normally hear. And then the, whatever you want to call them, the choruses or the bridge moments are totally not blues at all. They're like more straight, straight time. I don't know dregs ish steve morris influence type of stuff and then it'll go back to the bluesy thing that goes back into like a purdy shuffle so i like that i like you you know utilizing a style but making it your own Mm -hmm. as opposed to just saying i'm just going to do standard blues and put it on my album 
So that's a long answer to your question, but that's kind of no, my, it's, uh, it's, it's a very interesting one because, uh, yeah. well, the, the thing that popped into my head for some reason was uh, I remember a quote being attributed to uh, Jimi Hendrix uh, that goes along the lines uh, of, of the blues is easy to play, but hard to master. And yeah. uh, so, so do you agree? That, and, and the kind of, the, I mean, that's not a very great, good question, but uh, in terms of making things your own, is, is that the difficult part then? Um, well, the interesting thing about it is, is that, like you said, the, the basic components of it are very universal that most mm -hmm. guitar players can kind of wrap their heads around. But it's only certain people that know how to really make that speak mm -hmm. and make it something that's emotional and musical. And that's the part. And I agree, you know, that Hendrix thing is so, is so true. You know, you can have like, hundred guys playing blues but like there'll be one guy that you just like oh man there's magic in what he's doing and even if you try to analyze it it's tough to to really know um by the way speaking of this topic uh the song snake in my boot mm. is a blues mm. and it's a it's a shuffle it's like a rock and roll shuffle and it's a one four five but what i did to make it my own is that when it goes to the five chord which in the in that key and A is is E. Um, I I didn't do the traditional rock and roll style. I shifted it to a more modal, you know, I don't know, Middle Eastern Egyptian kind of vibe <laughs> with drum circle, just only for the five chord. And then it goes back to the rock and roll shuffle. So stuff like that. Things that like when you're listening, this is part of that thing I said where you step back and you're like, is this interesting? Sure. Or have I heard this before? And I'm like, it's just gonna fast forward. So things like that, putting my own personality into a standard form of a song, you know, it's just a way that I like to keep things interesting. Sure. And um, well, with with um, <coughs> sorry, um, um, with, with having a diverse album like this, um, how do these songs arise? Do you kind of like because I can't imagine you. Uh, saying well today i'm gonna to write a blues song or today i'm gonna no. play some so, so how do these songs kind of uh make themselves apparent to you right it's really well it's it's kind of interesting so when whenever i'm playing guitar um and something hits me i don't know why it hits me but i'm just playing and then all of a sudden i'm like wait this is sort of cool what i'm playing here um i, I record it like i used to be really concerned about oh i have to record this the right way and have my whole set no more i just have an iphone <laughs> I, I open voice memos and i record the idea and the idea could be you know 15 30 seconds or it could be two minutes mm. long but I, but i captured whatever that inspiration was at that moment whatever the the seed was in the case of out of the blue i mean it was sort of that melody line and the chords and i was like this is cool i'm going to record this and i and i'll have dozens and dozens of those ideas um and so what I what I did in the case of terminal velocity um, was I sifted through all of those ideas, picked out what I thought were the most interesting, best ones that could potentially turn into a song and organize them and label them. And so I had this sort of palette to choose from. Um, and then I think probably just because of experience from doing this for a long time, I sort of thought again of the bigger picture. Well, how long of an album do I want to make? Um, what types of styles do I want to put on here? Uh, and I started to kind of sift through, well, this could be good for that. This could be good for that. You know, this one is definitely blues based. That'll be a cool moment. 
maybe this song could be a ballad. Oh, this will be a cool, heavy seven string song. I'll do that. Mm. And so I, I start to kind of like, you know, before long, like within the first week, I'm already out. I've outlined the album, like the ideas, okay. you know, like I set a goal. I might not follow it exactly, but at least I kind of have a goal. Like the record is going to be about an hour long. I want these kind of styles. You know, I want this many songs. And it sort of gives me, uh, it gives me a sense of direction. Sure. And it makes me stay on track. Like I set a goal. And again, you could veer away from that or not, but at least I, I'm not just blindly, you know, going in there. So um, in the case of, let's say the song Terminal Velocity. So that was the first song I wrote during these sessions. So I literally all that I had was the opening motif that you hear. Mm -hmm. And I started with that. And uh, my engineer, his name is Jimmy T, which it was him and I in Dream Theater Studio at the beginning of March. It's like, okay, open up a Pro Tools session, play the riff. What's a good tempo for that? All right, <laughs> set the tempo. And, it, you know, track that part. All right, let me play some bass. Or, or, you know, let's program drums. Program some drums, play bass to it. Okay, that's the first part. I wonder where it should go from here. And then I'll just start to build it. And it's mm. just like, it's interesting. It's like starting with a blank piece of paper or canvas. You have one paint stroke. Well, that's kind of interesting. Where could it go from here? And you start painting. And before you know, you have this completed picture. And it's this adventure. It's sort of stream of consciousness. Um, and that's that's how I write this style of music. Okay. Yeah. With this album then, um, which finalized kind of painting so to say was the most surprising to you the most surprising to me let's see um probably well i don't know if this answers the question completely but i'll just use this as a, as an example so the one song on the record that's really super old is a song called gemini okay. and uh back in the early 90s mid 90s i used to do a lot of guitar clinics and i wrote these little sort of demo songs that i would you know, do a guitar clinic in a music store or at the NAMM show. And I'd have these songs, I'd play along to them and that would be my little spot. So they weren't very well-written, I would say. <laughs> they were more meant to sort of demo the guitar and show different techniques. But this one song called Gemini uh, that my, my late father-in-law named, so it's, it's kind of nice to have the name <laughs> of it, um, just stuck out. Like, you know, I just thought I should record that one of these days. So I, uh, in going into the, doing this record, um, I had no recording of it. I had no version of it. I had no demo of it. So I had to go online and find on YouTube, anybody that happened to be at the NAM show in 1994 <laughs> and get the version and try to learn it. And I was like, this is going to be tough. Me and Jimmy T built it. We're like, all right, I think this is what I played. It was because it was like crappy recording on YouTube and, you know, I think this is what I meant. And we built the song and then I'm listening to it. I'm like, this is pretty immature sounding. Like I was really young. It was a guitar. So I'm like, I'm just going to do it. So at some point I decided to tackle it and I recorded the whole thing. I even put a, a gypsy jazz acoustic solo on mm -hmm. it. And by the time I was done, it, that surprised me. I was like, I know this is an old song, but it kind of feels like it fits mm -hmm. on the album. It was a struggle to put together but the end result surprised me so um it doesn't exactly answer your question because it's not one of the new paintings 
but it was uh it was an old construction it was like <laughs> sure it's like finding an old dilapidated house and uh re remodeling it you know right, and, it's, right. and you don't know how it's going to turn out but at the end i was like oh, this is pretty cool and then you know from some of the feedback i got uh, that i i got to read and stuff with fans online and stuff everyone sort of like i like you know they they pointed <laughs> to that song like that's interesting you know it's like the oldest thing on there very quickly uh what did your father-in-law say about why he uh, called it gemini about why i don't know i i played it for him my wife and i were living in this apartment at the time in new jersey and uh he was over the house one day and i just played it for him and he listened to it and he's like that should be called gemini he was a, a piano player he was an okay. amazing piano player really really gifted musician and i don't i don't i don't remember why he <laughs> thought it but it just came to his head. I'm like, all right. <laughs> but um, well, when I yeah. listened to that song, I, I heard kind of the the, the uh, contrast in that song and the dynamic. Sure. So it did make sense, Gemini, kind of those two sides. Yeah. Of... I mean, maybe that's what he heard too. Maybe the song, you know, when, when he was listening to it, sounded like it had kind of some duality to it. And, and mm. so that's what came to me. As far as the recording process, and because uh, I imagine you working out these sketches by yourself, um, what was it like getting the other people in, and then uh, in particular to, to play with Mike again? So, you know, what I decided to do with this again, it was me and my uh, engineer, Jimmy T, um, you know, during the, the real big spike of the pandemic in, in New York in March. And it was just the two of us. We'd come into the studio and he was great because he'd set up the sessions like i said i'd start these songs build them he programmed drums for me he's really great he plays bass he played some bass on it and by the you know after i forgot how long maybe two months like the album was done like the final as i was writing the music i was recording final guitars because i didn't want to okay. go through a demo stage so guitars were done songs were done drums were programmed bass was played so now it was like okay now i'm, I'm going to share this with Dave LaRue and, and Mike Portnoy, and they're going to do their thing on it, you know? Mm. So in the case of Dave, I mean, Dave was, I've, I've played with him so much over the years. Sure. He played on my first solo album. I've played so many G3 tours with him. I, you know, we played so many shows together. Uh, he's played in my camp, you know, so I always knew Dave was going to be the man for this. I always promised him, you know, even <laughs> though it took me 15 years, I was like, when I do my solo album, you're definitely playing it. So I knew Dave would be killer. Um, you know, Mike, obviously, I played in Dream Theater with him for 25 years. He knows how I play. I know who I, how he plays. And we hadn't played together in, in 10 years. So I think with the pandemic, with just all this questionable stuff going on in the world, you know, I woke up one day. I'm like, I'm going to ask Mike. Like, this will be, <laughs> I think it's a good idea. You know, my, my family was kind of like immediately pushing for it you know where our families are all friends and okay, everything, okay but they're like oh well, you gotta get you gotta get mike mike will do it you know <laughs> and uh you know i was like hey, i'll think about it you know but uh you know mike said yeah absolutely he doesn't live too far from from me so he was able to come up to the studio mm. and track in person which was really cool dave dave's in florida um he had a track remotely which worked out fine But, you know, for me, having Mike come up and track in person um, was really cool. And it, it's it's funny. There's some funny things about it because, you know, again, because this was happening during the pandemic, this was 
probably May, beginning of May or something like that. Um, it's like, okay, well, what are we going to use for a drum kit? You know? And it's like, you know, all this, the companies and things were sort of like in a weird sure. state. So he couldn't even get drums, you know, like from this drum. So I have a drum kit in my house that a Tama kit that Mike hooked me up with a long time ago. Cause that, you know, <laughs> I was like, I wanted a drum kit in my house. So I'm like, what about the, the Tama's <laughs> kit in my house? And like took pictures like, yeah, that'll do. And I, so I like my wife and my son and me like broke it down, loaded it into my truck. I, so I drum roadied from Mike and uh, you know, we brought it in and he, he, drove his car and like had some like octobonds and his snare and some cymbals. And we put together this kit and uh, it ended up sounding awesome. <laughs> but um, it's funny. It's like the things you do, like when you have to do it, you make it happen. And uh, the kit a- a- ended up sounding awesome. Drums sound great. Mike, we spent a week in the studio. He was great. You know, he learned all the material. Um, did it he didn't play exactly what the drum programming was which i didn't want him to anyway um he did his thing uh he he asked me at in the beginning hey do you want me to play this sort of what you programmed and i was like no i want you know that's just a guide Mm -hmm. um and so uh yeah he did his thing we had fun it was cool connecting again musically we hadn't done that in 10 years we didn't really get a chance to play together so much because the the guitars were already recorded but we did have a couple of opportunities to like work out you know if there was a more difficult part we'd play a bit and work out and that was fun so it was really really cool reconnecting with him musically and again both him and dave man just kudos to them they just they brought the album to the next level and did an amazing amazing job they're two incredible musicians so couldn't be happier one thing I can imagine uh, you doing all these huge projects and everything that it's it must have been nice to have it uh, for better or for worse to, to have it uh, smaller this this instance sure. and to have it kind of because uh, because I was gonna ask did you have any purpose or did, do you want what do you want people to take away from it but uh, talking to you I, I would say is it just fun in a way almost just it just, is you, you made an album for fun <laughs> it, it definitely is for fun it's definitely to almost prove something to myself mm-hmm. because the other component of all this that doesn't really usually get talked about but it, you know I, I put this out on my own record label through uh the orchard distribution which is worldwide distribution but you know since i'm the record label I'm, I'm handling everything right so sure. it, it's everything from you know the pre- the pressing plant you know <laughs> details to marketing to the the online interface of how you have to upload your artwork and your music and you know set the correct price in itunes and how much are you going to do any discounts and when's it going to go on sale are there pre-sales so there was this huge learning curve of on the business side for me that I was like, all right. And it took a lot of time, <laughs> a lot of, t- a lot of my time to do and to tackle that. So the day that the digital, you know, version was released August 28th, I felt this 
real sense of like, I did it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This is like, it's been 15 years. I finally did another solo. But other than that, you know, everything worked. And when it, when you click on Spotify, it actually comes up. (laughs) Everything worked all right. And uh, actually um, tomorrow, the physical versions are, uh, will be released, the, the vinyl and the CD. So, so, you know, it, it might sound funny for me this far into my career to hear this from me, but, you know, being empowered by doing that myself and learning mm-hmm. so much about it was re- really, really cool. Now, for Suspended Animation, my first album, uh, my wife actually started the record label Sound of My Music, and we did that together. And it was similar. I mean, we were selling CDs out of our garage and she was doing all the, you know, uh, all the business for that and, and shipping. So we did have some experience, but the world is a lot different now in the way that music is distributed. Sure, and sure, of course. Everything. Yeah. So there's so many, so many aspects that I wasn't really, uh, you know, completely sure of how to do. So big, big learning curve. So yeah. I, no, but I, I think it's it's that. very. Oh, sorry. I, I think it's very interesting that you that you keep this DIY approach, uh, mm-hmm. like you said, as far as you are in your career, that you're still w- willing to learn all kinds of aspects of the business. And yeah, so I think that's very I think good. It's important. And all, and you know, in doing that too, um, there's also no shortcuts. You know, it's like mm. I'm the type of person where I want everything to be as best as it could be. You know, so I had Andy Sneap mix the record, and Andy's so brilliant. Sure. Sure. You know, it's not like I'm like, oh, I'll mix it myself and it'll just sound like crap. You know, it's like Andy mixed the record. Sean Mosier Smith did all the artwork. So it's like the record comes out, the music comes out and it sounds as professional as anything out there, which is part of my sort of, you know, goal as well. Um, there's one thing being a deep, you know, do it yourself, but you don't want it to be cheesy. Hmm. <laughs> you, know, you don't want sure. it to look like you did it. Sure. <laughs> you just as just as viable uh, as anything else out there. So that was a big part of it too. Uh, one last uh, question then, and I think I'm running out of time. Which is, so just quickly, you mentioned uh, Eddie Van Halen earlier on. Yeah. How important or how impactful of a guitar player was he not only to you, but in, yeah. in your opinion, to the kind of guitar world? Well, to, you know, it's interesting, like, as as far as his influence and his impact on the guitar world, it, it's so it, you can't you kind of can't comprehend how big it was because when you think about all the guitar players that there are, electric guitar players, and you can only name like a couple. I mean, most people will probably point to two that were like game changing, paradigm shifting like hmm. moments, you know, Hendrix and sure. like Van Halen. And and people can argue that there's other people, I get it. But like there'll never be somebody like that again, you know. Um and so his influence globally on the guitar community is just it's on it's it's unfathomable. Unfathomable. Hmm. Uh guitar was never the same. I mean it saddens me to know that I'll never get to see him play again, you know, that he died young. And, and, you know, we have his music to remember him by, but, uh, you know, watching him play is, is really a, an incredible experience. Um, for me, as a guitar player, I, I'll never forget when I heard Eruption for the first time and I wasn't experienced enough as a guitarist. I didn't know 
I couldn't wrap my head around that being a guitar. It didn't sound like a guitar to me. I was like, how, how is anybody doing that? Like it sounded like a keyboard or something, you know, and there's no YouTube or, you know, I was too sure. young to like go to a concert. So I couldn't see what he was doing. And I'm just hearing all these notes flying by. And again, I didn't, I didn't have the experience. So I didn't know there was a phaser on the sound and like a tape delay. And all I heard was this like, you know, cascading flurry of notes. And it was just mind blowing. I never heard anything like that before. <laughs> um, so, so to me, you know, creatively and as a guitar player, it was just like, it sucked me in. Mm. I was like, how do you do that? How in the world is somebody doing that? And then you, you begin to explore. So he was a big, big influence on me for sure. Um, and, but, you know, I've seen interviews with him and, and you really can see what of an, an innovative mind he had mm. and how the things that he came up with, with amplifiers and technique were all out of curiosity and like asking questions and like, Hey, how come nobody ever did this before? Or I have this idea. I want to be able to do this. I wonder how you can do it. So he was like this, you know, scientists, you know, at the same time. And that, that's a really cool side to see. If you've ever seen interviews with him, it's really interesting to watch. I'm, I'm going to look some up. And again, that's coming back to your approach, then it's the willingness to always uh, continue learning and to, to explore. So Absolutely. And if Eddie imparted that on me a bit and everybody else, then that's a beautiful thing. So we'll, we'll miss him for sure. All right, John, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me. Uh, I hope you have a great day. I wish you all uh, the best of luck tomorrow with the release of the physical uh, album. Thank you. And thank uh, you. I hope you have a great day. I appreciate it. Love the questions and thanks for the interview. All right. Thank you, John. Okay. Have a good one. Bye-bye.